0: from Dish Park Field, it's the Texas Longhorns against the West Virginia Mountaineers in the first game of the regular season concluding series. D.C., a 30-game school record hitting streak as he digs into the box. Here's the stretch. The first pitch to Campbell, he is squaring. He does bunt it, and it's going to be a base hit. It'll go right into no-man's land. Extend that hitting streak to 31 games. Dylan Campbell with a bunt single, and the bases are loaded with nobody out. The 2-2 pitch. Swung on with a little flare into shallow right. That's going to fall in for a base hit. Station to station baseball. It'll get a run home. Coming in to score from third is Jared Thomas on the RBI single from Porter Brown. And the Longhorns take a one nothing lead. A ball and two strikes the count of Payton Powell. Here's the stretch and the pitch from Estridge. Swung on and the ground ball right back up the middle. Base hit. That's going to score two runs. Powell with a big turn, and RBI single, drives it back up the middle to score O'Dowd and Flores, and Texas leads it 3-0. Brown swings and hits a ball well. This went out to deep right field, and you can say goodnight to it! Over the right field wall, downtown Porter Brown strikes again. A three-run bomb, and the Loghorns double the lead. They lead 6-zip. Here's the stretch, the pitch, swings here, ground ball. It staggers Jared Thomas, but he recovers, steps on the bag, and the innings over. What a play by Jared Thomas. That just staggered him, but wow. he managed to recover, picked it up, and stepped on the bag, and that will retire the Mountaineers here in the third. One-two pitch, Brown swings and lifts a high fly ball to center. This would carry back to the warning track. Say goodnight to it! Downtown Porter Brown has done it again. And this time, he drives it out over the deepest part of the ballpark, right over the indention at 405 feet from home plate. Brown's second home run of the ball game makes it eight to nothing, Longhorns. Here's the 2-0, and Brown swings and sends a high fly ball to left. This with Carey, say goodnight to it! A three-homer night! Apo Taco for downtown Porter Brown. A two-run shot, and it's 11-0 Texas. Swing and a miss by Solvay strikes him out. The inning's over. No runs, two hits, two left on base. Seventh-inning stretch time and a standing ovation for Lucas Gordon on what could be his final appearance at UFC Park Field. Swung on, and speaking of home runs, yeah, that one will leave the ballpark. Dylan Campbell, say goodnight to it. A moonshot onto the street. Campbell launches home run number 11 of the season, and it's a 12-1 Texas lead. Two balls, two strikes, two outs. Here's the stretch from Grubbs. The 2-2 pitch to Skyler King swings, and it's a ground ball to second. Up with it, O'Dowd. Flips to first. And that's it. The Longhorns take game one from sixth-ranked West Virginia as they beat the Mountaineers by double digits. Final score tonight at UFCU Fog Field, the Texas Longhorns 12, the West Virginia Mountaineers 2. One a way to start the weekend. Longhorn baseball with a very emphatic statement on opening night of the weekend series with the sixth-ranked team. In the country, a 12-2 win over the West Virginia Mountaineers. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We are live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. So glad to have you with us on this beautiful Friday morning. Jeff Howe out today. He will be back on Monday, and I'll be here on Monday as well and then uh during next week I'll be up uh in Arlington but I'll be on the air up there I'll be, uh my part of the show I'll be up there in Arlington as the Big 12 Conference Baseball Tournament gets on uh and uh, going starting on Wednesday because uh Tuesday will be uh practice and news conference day up there so uh I'll be there starting on Tuesday. Our producer as always and uh, did a fabulous job there on the uh highlight montage is Cameron Parker who had to call that absolutely scintillated. He didn't have to. He got to. As coaches like to say, you don't have to play this. Thing. You get to do it. And he got to call a classic last night with uh, Round Rock's 1 nothing win over Westlake in game one of the regional quarterfinal series uh, over in Round Rock last night. How's the uh, voice this morning holding up? It's doing
1: good. Yeah. Uh, I've been spoiled, correct, because it feels like every Round Rock game I've done <sighs> is either a walk off or extra innings. And for Westlake, they've played pretty much every game going to extra innings or winning on a walk-off. So now they lost on a walk-off last night to Round Rock, and we do it all over again today, game two.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, it'll it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to do our Flex 30 update, uh, and uh, that'll come up uh, in the second hour of the program. Uh, Later on, this, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll – have our Longhorn Notebook, and we're going to hear from Lucas Gordon, and we'll hear from, yes, downtown, Porter Brown. He of the three home runs last night. So we'll hear uh, from uh, those two guys coming up at the bottom of the hour. We do have Inconceivable coming up. Today, of course, is Friday. What does that mean, Cam? Reach for that low-hanging fruit, baby. That's it. That's it. It means Florida man. We do have a Florida man story, but it's different. It does involve a Florida man. It did take place in Florida, but it's different. And I'll just leave it at that for the moment. And we'll tell you why it's different coming up. But we have some other uh, things as well. We'll keep you updated on the... uh, uh, PGA Championship leaderboard as well with uh, Justin Rose on the golf course at minus four and Bryson DeChambeau, the first-round leader, yet to begin his round. They're both at four under par. But we will keep you uh, updated on that uh, going on uh, at Oak Hill, the east course there in Rochester, New York. Which brings me to the item that I said uh, – and and let me also say this. In the second hour of the program uh, – Not only will we have a Flex 30 update where we'll get you caught up on the high school baseball and softball playoff scenes, we will do that uh, coming up in the second hour of the program. Uh, Also in the second hour, right around the bottom of the hour in the second hour, our good friend Greg Swindell. Zeke will join us. Of course, Zeke worked last night's game with Keith Mortland on the Longhorn Network telecast of the Game 1 win for Texas. I wanted to get Zeke's thoughts on a variety of topics. Some relate to his particular set of skills, his expertise, and that's from the pitching element. The The pitching from the Longhorn side, the decision Randy Macy made last night not to go with his regular Friday night guy, to go with a freshman midweek right-hander, and whether he was concerned about that or felt that – with Lucas Gordon going, he could save the other two guys if he needed to do it, however he wanted to do it. It didn't work out for West Virginia, as the Longhorns jumped on him, obviously, on uh, uh, on him for the victory. And, um, and so, it, you know, I wanted to get his thoughts on that. And then not only that, Greg also follows, as I do, the national scene very, very well. So in addition to talking about Carson Estridge, the freshman right-hander who – uh, got shelled pretty good by Texas last night and, and uh, suffered his first defeat of uh, the season. Uh, and talking about uh, Blaine Traxel, who's going to be an inter- interesting story. Here's a guy who has been their Saturday starter, their game two starter, and this is game two of the series, so it makes sense. You know, normally it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so this would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He is going on a day's less rest like Lucas Gordon was. Uh, you know, last last weekend, and like LeBaron Johnson will be going on tonight when he goes for Texas, and Blaine Traxel, uh, a guy who's won seven ball games this year. In fact, Traxel seven and four in a three two three ERA. Uh, here's the thing that really strikes me: guys throw ninety four and two thirds innings, and he has five complete games this season. Five. So uh, he's he's been really really good and a candidate. For Big 12 Conference Pitcher of the Year. I, I still think maybe the edge might go to Tyson Neighbors at Kansas State, their lockdown closer, although he looked a little bit vulnerable last night, but he did get the win uh, for K-State and uh, the win over TCU. So we're, we'll get to all that stuff and what it all means coming up uh, with Greg Swindell coming up next hour uh, as well. But as I mentioned, we'll keep you updated on what's going on at the PGA. And uh, Again, it's uh, Justin Rose, who is playing his eighth hole of the day. He's playing the back nine first, and he is at four under par. Bryson DeChambeau uh, has yet to begin his round. Same story with Scotty Scheffler, who's one shot back. Uh, Scotty's at minus three. Rosen DeChambeau at four under. uh, Also, Connors at minus three. Bradley at minus two. Dustin Johnson uh, on the first page of the leaderboard at minus one. And we will keep you updated on that. Now, uh, before I get to our specs text line at 337 3776 512 337 I mentioned this yesterday and I gave it a little more thought and here's what I've come up with. When, when I started watching uh, very, very early yesterday morning when it first came on and the golf commentators were bundled up and chilled and all that kind of stuff because the temperature was in the 40s, you know, low 40s, I think it even was, or maybe even high 30s. But anyway, it was really, really chilly at first. Now it's warmed up uh, quite a bit, and it's going to be lovely weather there throughout the weekend. Uh, I got to think, Rochester, New York. I thought, have I ever been to Rochester, New York? And the answer is no. I've been near it. I've driven uh, to on the New York State Thruway, where you would have to exit off. I believe it's I three ninety, where you would go on into town. You got to go up because Rochester is astride Lake Ontario. So I've never been in that city. So then I got to thinking: Is that the largest city I've ever not been in? What is the? And I and I went and I looked and I looked and somebody yesterday uh, sent in a uh, list on the specs text line when I first brought this up of the three hundred largest cities. In the United States by population, the 300 largest. So when I looked at it, uh, yes, uh, Rochester is the largest city that I have not visited really? in the United States. Um, population of 210,000 or something that, like that's that? So I, that? That's correct. So I'm that's the largest city I've not visited. Uh, do you know what the uh, largest city that you have not visited, Cameron Parker? So
1: you said without the big 3 which well, is Well,
0: I I've expanded this. This is why okay. I say I gave it some more thought. Here's here's what we're going to do. And uh the specs tax line is open. I'm I'm interested uh, cuz this this tells something about how traveled people, not necessarily well traveled and I don't mean traveling in a high circles or anything like that. I'm just talking about traveling. I mean if you're getting in a car and you're driving and you're going to family see family on vacation or work takes you out of town or you've got one of those uh conferences. You know um uh, one thing that I, did you ever see the movie Cedar Rapids? Yes, <laughs> it's great. Ed Helms, yes. it, it's tremendous. John C. Riley in it. I mean, it's, it's it's I love I love that movie. Um, and and you know they're all coming into town from a, for an insurance convention, and Cedar Rapids is one of those you know mid range type cities, you mm-hmm. know that kind of thing, and that's where the conference is. So uh, and and they're traveling for work. So that's why I brought that up you know what what would be the largest city that you have not yet visited and here's here's where i'm going to draw the line on this deal i'm going to make a couple of um, a couple of restrictions obviously the big 3 that were if you were removing new york los angeles chicago the top 3 cities by population in the united states new york city la chicago and i'm going to add to that the three cities in the state of Texas. Houston is number four, by the mm-hmm. way, by population. San Antonio is number seven, and Dallas is number nine. So you have three cities by population in the United States. Um, See, I would have thought Dallas would have a larger population than San Antonio, but I guess the, the suburbs, the metro, is a lot, lot bigger. Yes, with, okay. with Fort Worth and the mid-cities. Collin County, all that stuff. The Metroplex, and again, this gets back to that old argument about what really comprises the Metroplex. I've had not really arguments, but good, good-natured good discussions and involved discussions with folks uh, in the media industry and the other. When I worked at uh, KRLD, an all-news operation, it was then and it is now, uh, a news radio thing, uh, I learned that the term "metroplex" was coined, I think, in the early '70s uh, as a marketing term, okay. basically. But was it from the TV show Dallas? No, this was before Dallas came out. Okay. It was actually, uh, it was actually around the time Dallas Fort Worth International Airport opened in 1973. So Jr. didn't coin it, okay? No, Jr. did not uh, coin that. No, and so, so it's like, what really comprises the metroplex? And, and over time, what I took it to mean, and again, people can have different interpretations. Uh, I think I even read this somewhere, and I believe this. I think the Metroplex comprises, I think it's a five-county area, but it's any of the counties that are contiguous to the two main counties, Dallas County and Tarrant County, where Fort Worth is. So if it's a county that touches... One of those counties, it's part of the Metroplex. So that would include Johnson County, which is just south of Fort Worth, okay. Ellis County, which is just south of Dallas, Collin County, which is just north of Dallas, uh, Denton County, which is n- up north of there. Mm-hmm. Rockwall County is a tiny little postage stamp of a county. It's the smallest county in the state. So you could almost put Hunt County in there, but I think you're getting a little bit out east or Greenville when you do that. Uh, Parker County, where Alito and Weatherford are. So I think you could you could add those in there, and those are that so that would be the Metroplex, and the Metroplex area itself is 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 larger uh, by population than San Antonio, but uh, by population, uh, San Antonio as a city is larger than Dallas. So, so here's here's the deal. Uh, my restriction on this is can't be any of the top three: New York, L.A., Chicago, and it can't be any of the three major cities in Texas, which. Uh, is in and of course we're not counting Austin since we're here in Austin but but Houston's number 4, San Antonio's number 7, Dallas number 9 and of course uh you <laughs> could be somebody saying I live since Jeff is not here I live in Gerald or I live in Granger and I've never been in Austin. No, nope. yeah, I got to take Austin out of the equation as well. New York, LA, Chicago and in uh in the big cities uh they're in Texas. Other than that What's the largest city that you have not visited? For me, it's Rochester, New York. When I think about it, uh, Daryl on the uh, Specs text line at 337-3776 says he's never been to San Diego. San Diego is number eight uh, on the list. Uh, San Jose is number 10 on the list. So that's a big city. So the largest city you've never visited. Largest city you've never visited. Um, And uh, somebody says, hey, Miami for me. There you go. Cooter says, so would you consider San Marcos part of the Austin Metroplex? Uh, It is, first of all, you don't call this the Metroplex. The Metroplex only applies to TfW. But I understand where you're going with this, Cooter. The Austin metro area, I believe, is how the meteorologists describe it. He said, it's in Hayes County, which touches Travis County. I personally do not count San Marcos as part of the Austin Metroplex. The greater Austin area, I think, does include Hayes County. And I think it does include San Marcos. Hayes County is contiguous to Travis County. Williamson County, I live in Georgetown. I live, you know, 25 miles north of Austin. But that's part of the greater Austin uh, central. Some folks count it as the television ADI uh, market. I don't that I don't include that because the adi for Austin on television I think extends as far west as like Brady. I mean it goes you know Mason Lano for sure and Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't include that in there but if you're close enough in the Austin area, yeah. <laughs> Bizarro Dale Dudley love him. I never been to Spain but I kind of like the music. Yes, yes, yes. No. <laughs> Those of you in fact will We'll bump back with some three dog night off of that. A- after that, uh, can't count the airport for a connecting flight. That's right. My only time in L.A. was at LAX. That's right. That that does not include changing planes. Chad Hastings and I were talking about this yesterday. He said he's changed planes in one city, but it didn't count. Jeff House said he's changed connected to a flight in Atlanta, but you can't count Atlanta for that just because you went through Atlanta Hartsfield International, Hartsfield Jackson International Airport. You can't do that.
1: Gotta spend some time out there.
0: You gotta, you you have to at least, uh, maybe drive through it, get something to eat, get some gas. You know, just to make sure that I entered the state of Maine one time, and I had an extra day off before I did a Major League Soccer game in '97. I drove, and it was a, a day off before I had a game uh, in Foxborough between the Dallas Burn and the New England Revolution at Foxboro. Mm-hmm. So I had a day off. I drove to Maine. I crossed the border from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, into Kittery, Maine, and stopped at the convenience store, got some gas, got a soft drink and something to eat, and I picked up a rock and I threw it into the uh, Atlantic Ocean. And I said, now <laughs> about that? I've been in Maine. So that's about as much. So, yeah. Uh, CB said, I'd never been to Seattle until I flew into SeaTac when I moved up here. So there you go. Um, and uh, Columbus, Ohio, Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm, I think that's what Chad had was Philadelphia. On his as well. And Philadelphia is, what, number five or six on this list? When I was uh, looking at their number six. How about Phoenix in at number five? It's the rising. Uh, that's rising my – that's the highest one I've never been to is okay. Been okay. to the airport, but doesn't count. Doesn't count. Time spent in the city. Doesn't have to be overnight, but you have to have spent some time in it. Uh, <laughs> the Colonel Craig Flowers, the retired Colonel Craig Flowers, says, oh, Rochester – uh, in his the uh, Jack Betty voice, uh oh Rochester, if you've ever if you remember the OG people uh, uh, here's somebody New York, l a Miami, never Chicago. and again, the big three do not count New York, l a Chicago, and the the major cities uh, in Texas Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, those don't count, so it's got to be in and obviously Austin. so it's got to be a, gotta be a city. That, you know, I'm just curious to see what folks, here's somebody who's never been to Denver before. Make sense? Visiting a place only counts if you put your feet on the soil. There you go. That's why I said I got out of the car and Kittery, Maine. I walked in to a convenience store. I bought an orange soda and a candy bar. I walked outside and it was right where the water comes in there from near the Atlantic Ocean in the uh, harbor in the Bay Area. And I, and I threw a rock into it, into the ocean. What's the go-to soda in the Northeast? Do they have one? Uh, you'd be surprised at the number of people in New York City. My dad, who was an advertising man, and he was not like Don Draper, as Rod Babers often claimed. That was not true. Mm. Rod never knew my father. So, uh, but he was an ad man, and he and he worked uh, some national accounts for a while. He said you'd be surprised. I remember him telling me at how much of a Pepsi town New York City was, not a Coca Cola. I think huh. you know they're both ubiquitous. I mean, they're everywhere and they're both very, very large. But Pepsi was more, And Pepsi, of course, started in your hometown in Charlotte. Yeah, that's where it got its start. And of course, Coca-Cola began in Atlanta and Dr. Pepper in Dublin and eventually matriculated to Waco and all of that. So uh, a lot of our favorite soft drinks came from the South and the Southwest off of that. All right. So there's, there's my question for you today. What is the largest city in the United States, not including the big three, New York, L.A. Chicago, and not including any of the major cities in Texas. What's the largest city you have not visited? So for me, it's definitely one of those New York, northern New York cities. Whichever is bigger, Rochester or Buffalo. Buffalo's bigger than Rochester. So there's somebody to say I lived in Chicago for a few years, and the term there is Chicago Land. It is, it is absolutely. It uh, says Nick in San Angelo. It's always amazing that some people there considered Milwaukee part of the Chicago Land area seem like quite a stretch. I me, mean, yeah, that'd be a stretch for me as well. But but Chicago Land does wrap around the bottom of Lake Michigan uh, all the way over because South Bend, Indiana, by many is considered to be Chicago Land. That's a big part of the reason why Notre Dame is a is a big has you know has a big Chicago area fan base as well. No bizarro, Dale Dudley. Airports do not count even if you went outside to smoke. <laughs> it does not count. What about Fresno? Nobody goes to Fresno anymore. There you go. Um uh, so Victor says it'd be the motor city for me. Yeah, Detroit. So there you go. So that's that's your question. Today. Philly, Phoenix, uh, we're getting uh so uh so there it is. Here's someone listening from on Radio Garden from Oaxaca, Mexico. It made me imagine the possibility that you may have a foreign listener that's become a Longhorn fan but has never been to Austin. That's why I said, uh, well, uh, if, put it this way. If you reside outside of the state of Texas, not even outside the United States, but outside, if you're listening online outside of the state of Texas and haven't been to Austin, we'll allow that. We'll allow that. Um, if you've never been in the state of Texas – Will allow Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin. If you've never been in the state of Texas, but if you but if you reside from outside the state of Texas, yeah, we can we can allow that. All right, so there there are the parameters there for it. All right, coming up, uh, we're gonna have our uh, Longhorn Notebook. Boy, we're gonna have lots of folks saying Seattle Seattle's a beautiful place, and CB can tell you that as well. Uh, our man uh, Belton Gringo, who has a question that we're going to get to here coming up in the Longhorn Notebook because it's about. Uh, Big 12 Conference Baseball. So, Ringo, I promise we're going to get to it. So my first day being stationed at the Dover Air Force Base in Delaware, I went through a drive through and said, do y'all have Dr. Pepper? And she asked, what did you just say? They didn't know what y'all and Dr. Pepper was up there. Yeah, uh, I've had to tell my lovely wife, Linda, when, we, when we're out of town, like when we go to North Carolina, don't ask for Dr. Pepper in a lot of places. Because a lot of places just don't. Not in restaurants. You can get it in the obviously in the supermarkets, grocery stores, even convenience stores. Just don't ask for it in the restaurant because you're not going to get it. Pib. I get yeah, Pib. Mister Pib. Extra. Mister. Uh, yeah, but you're not going to. You, you know, you're not going to get a lot of Dr Pepper. And it, you can get it at the store. My grandmother liked Dr Pepper, and she was a native of Virginia and lived in North Carolina uh, virtually almost her entire life. But uh, yeah, you're just not going to. You're not going to get that in restaurants up there.
1: The four worst words as a kid was when you would order Dr.
0: Pepper. We have Mr. Pip. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, or I found out from some folks when you go into restaurants, even around here, uh, I like a Coke. We have Pepsi products. That, mm. that, those four words. See, and I'm, I'm weird about this. I, I, uh, I like Pepsi. Now, don't ask me to choose between the two because I, uh, I drank mostly Coca-Cola when I came up. When I, when I grew up, but I did drink some Pepsi, and I got to where I liked it a lot. It it it's definitely a different taste, and I've said it on this program. I like it. I'm I'm not necessarily picking one over the other, so I don't have a problem if I go into, um, you know, uh, a restaurant, and I'll even ask them, "Do you have Coke or Pepsi?" I'll I'll just say it like straight that. Up. And then, they, and then they'll say, we have Pepsi. Fine, bring me a Pepsi. Or they'll have Coca-Cola. Fine, bring me a Coke. If, if that's what I want on that specific thing. So. The
1: biggest adjustment for me was coming from Charlotte to Austin was ordering sweet tea. Well, we have Splenda <laughs> on the side. Uh, uh, Just have water.
0: Fine. Iced tea is done really, really well in the state of Texas. Sweet iced tea. Not quite as yeah. much. I grew up there because... There is a difference. There yeah, is a difference. There are a lot of restaurants that really struggle with how much to sweeten mm-hmm. the tea to make it sweet tea. Yeah. That's why the whole thing half and half came out. Half sweet, half unsweet, which is what I usually get if I get iced tea in the restaurants around here because it gets too sweet here. Uh, They're in the deep south, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. they They've got the formula figured yeah. out. And I can go in and ask for sweet tea and not have it just completely pucker my lips and... Turn it inside out. All right. Uh, so there we go. Uh, here's somebody who's moved back to Oxford, Mississippi, and says, as I've gotten older, I've le- leaned toward Pepsi. I find it a little lighter than Coke, and I find Coke very heavy. The older. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, here's somebody who was in Colorado skiing one year. Asked for Dr. Pepper. The waitress brought me a Mr. Pibb. I asked her if this was Pibb, and she said, you must be from Texas. Only Texans can decipher the two. Uh, so there you go. And somebody else on that on the city thing, discounting Chicago, Philly would top my list. Been to the been to all of the other eight on that top ten list. Side note, spent two years in Cuba, but never saw Havana either. Okay. Very good. Gringo likes Dr. Pepper with some big red in it. Man, that'll that'll really flip you up there. <laughs> all right. Uh coming up, we'll uh we'll uh have our uh loghorn notebook that's up next when we continue here with Light the Tower. On the Horn 1049-1019-AM 1260. We're live local and digital on the Horn app at and at Hornfm.com.
2: Well, I never been to Spain,
0: but I like the music. Craig Way and Jeff Howe Light the, the Tower. Are insane there in the show. It never gonna lose it, I can't refuse it. Mm-hmm. Will I
2: never been to England?
0: But I kinda like a business. So that's right there for you. Bizarro Dale W. Little well, three dog night for you there. Very few of us probably listening have been to Spain before. I've not been. I've been to Europe before, but I've not been to Spain. Uh, maybe someday we'll do that. Um, I like this part where we rip into the big vocal right here. Will I never to well, I've never been to heaven, but I've been to Oklahoma. Be to Oklahoma? Huh? Talk about your dichotomy there. Who's the songwriter? Oh, <laughs> well, it's from Three Dog Night, but... You know, uh, folks can make of that what they want. (laughs) Uh, My friend Blind Ryan says, I've never been to Grand Prairie. Been to Arlington there in Fort Worth. Okay. But, see, Grand Prairie, you know, was in Dallas County and is on the – actually, Grand Prairie is extended now. It it kind of – it kind of crosses over in the Tarrant County. And I think the southern edge of it all, it goes all the way down into Ellis County where the toll road, the new toll road of uh, 360 goes down in that area. So uh, it, go, it grows a lot. But that's still part of the Dallas-Fort Worth <laughs> Triple X and Mel said, So he's been to hell then if he's been to Oklahoma now. I, as I've told you, there's some parts of Oklahoma that really are nice. It's a pretty progressive city there. And there's part, Oklahoma's growing a lot because, Oklahoma City is growing a lot because of the thunder. In town, There's been a lot. Uh, I've witnessed it myself over the past several years. Now, we've had this discussion before. It has happened at the expense of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Tulsa and the smaller college athletic scenes, other than, say, Oklahoma football, maybe Oklahoma State football. The rest of the at- collegiate athletic scene in terms of fan interest and attendance has suffered uh, because of the Thunder being there. So there you go. I don't mind OK, yeah, I mean there's, nice there's parts of it. Yeah. Uh and in uh, my question about the the whole the uh, when I'm talking about the Coke Pepsi things, somebody said, hey, here we go. Uh <laughs> uh Nick says, Me. I'll have a Diet Coke server. Is Diet Pepsi okay? Me. No, it's not okay. See, um that's where I'm impressed with the not manners, because he's always well mannered, but the um the long suffering patients. My good friend and broadcast partner, Roger Wallace. Roger Wallace is an avowed Diet Coke drinker. Mm-hmm. But we'll be on the road in some places and in a restaurant. and Whereas I always say, do you have Coke or Pepsi or something like that? Roger will usually just say, I'll have a Diet Coke. And then they will let him know if they serve Pepsi products and say, uh, will Diet Pepsi work? And Roger will accept it. it will say, okay. It's not his preferred choice. I can tell you that, but he'll but he'll do that. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, so uh, yeah, that that question is largest city you've never visited, and it can't include the big three: New York, Chicago, L.A., and it can't include the big cities in the state of Texas, Houston. Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. So we had some interesting responses already. And that's why I said I got this idea of watching the PGA of Rochester, New York, I think is the largest city of it, which Chad says says a lot about how how much I've traveled and all that kind of stuff. He said, I'd like to to see you offer that question I'm to Keith Moreland. It would be a much smaller city because Keith's been all over the place due to his minor league days and perhaps Craig Swindell as well, and he joins us coming up next hour. Right now, it's time for our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Jeff out today. He'll be back on Monday. But we have a Longhorn Notebook nevertheless. And uh, the Longhorns, uh, first of all, uh, some uh, a note for you that uh, for Texas men's tennis, of course, they were uh, playing in the uh, Elite Eight of the NCAA. And their quarterfinal match with South Carolina was suspended due to weather in Lake Nona, Florida. So they're resuming this morning on the USTA National Campus, and we'll we'll update that for you a little bit later on. Meanwhile, uh, Texas softball, we heard Mike White on the program with us yesterday, and they have their regional play starting this afternoon at 4 o'clock uh, against Seton Hall at McCombs Field. You can hear that on 105.3 The Bat. Andrew Haynes on the call, 345 airtime, 4 o'clock first pitch. And then at 6.30 is the 2C Texas A&M against the 3C Texas State. Longhorn Baseball entered the weekend under, with the understanding that to have any hope of sharing the Big 12 Conference regular season title, they would have to sweep sixth-ranked West Virginia and then have Oklahoma State lose at least once. Well, Oklahoma State did not lose. They they uh, battered Oklahoma last night, winning 13-2. However, the Longhorns more than held up their end of the bargain, at least in Game One, as they won twelve to two. Three home runs from Porter Brown in the game, four hits overall. He drove in eight runs. He and Eric Kennedy on back-to-back weekends have had an eight RBI day, and that's uh, the most since Ron Gardenhire had ten uh, back in nineteen seventy-eight. So uh, that's uh, that. You know that uh, very impressive performance by Porter Brown. And also uh, impressive on the mound from Lucas Gordon, who had seven shutout innings. Scattered four hits, walked one, hit a batter, struck out eight. Got the win. His record is now 6-1, and and he visited with our Ty Harrington after the game. I
2: know you know what I'm about to say to you. There's a lot of tradition and a lot of pride in being a Friday night guy at the University of Texas, right? Carries a lot of weight tonight and you have all year, but tonight your team needed you to go out there and set the pace for a big week in series. Couldn't have been any better tonight. Oh, yeah. No, uh, there's something about today. Um, a little different attitude coming to the field today. Um, I, I really wanted this one. I wanted this for myself and especially for the team. Um, our team needed me um, and it's my job to go out there and try to get a win for us. Um, give us a chance to win. So it was fun tonight. From up there, it looked like, and and seeing some of the replays, your first pitch command with your fastball tonight, both sides of the plate, your off-speed, it looked like you had full command of all three of them tonight. Yeah. No, it was, um, I think Woody, Gordo, and I uh, worked very hard during the week to kind of get that stuff in in play, and we made a couple mechanical adjustments, and uh, they worked out tonight. I know pitchers are supposed to be in a dugout locked in, right, in between innings. Had to put a little bit of a smile on your face when Porter Brown's launching balls out of here left and right? (laughs) No, was sick. He's such a beast. It's it's crazy. I love Porter. We all love him. He's such a good leader, and and especially when he goes out there and does his thing, it's so fun to watch. Congratulations. I know you're going to be a big-time cheerleader for the next two games coming up. Congratulations, and good luck to you moving forward. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.
0: And um, you might have heard in the highlight montage that uh, Cam put together for the program, Uh, where I mentioned after he got his eighth and final strikeout for the final out of the seventh inning, as he walked off the field, he got a standing ovation. Longhorn baseball fans, very, very knowledgeable as always. And I think everybody knew, unless, and it's off to a good start, so who knows, unless the Longhorns wind up getting a chance to host a regional. And right now I'd say they'd be on the outside of that equation looking in, But it's not out of the realm of possibility because I think it would have to begin with a sweep of West Virginia and then maybe a good performance in Arlington, but especially the sweep of West Virginia. That's going to carry the most weight. If they did that, then maybe they have a shot at hosting a regional, especially when you look around and see some of the things that happened last night. Um, I'll get to that in a moment. But my point was, is that Lucas Gordon may have walked off the mound for the final time at UFC Udish Falk Field. He's draft eligible. Obviously, he's a junior. He's going to be drafted in probably highly enough to where um, the interest will be there to sign a professional contract. We'll find out. But there's um, a good chance, unless the Longhorns wind up hosting a regional. So uh, that that would be the case there. Porter Brown, three bombs. Uh, and I was I was naming off the other Longhorns who had uh, hit three. And I was sitting there. That this goes to show you about how sometimes, you know, that, that, that phrase about how uh, you can remember things from 20 years ago, but you can't remember what you had for dinner last night. So I was like, three home runs in a game. I was, and I actually said this on the air. That might be the first time since. I said, if I'm really thinking about this, I think J.D. Reininger hit three at Dell Diamond one night. And that was true 21 years ago. In 2002, J.D. hit three home runs at Dell Diamond against TCU in what was a non-conference game because TCU wasn't in the Big 12 back then. The last one he hit, I think, was the one that landed on the roof of the clubhouse at Dell Diamond. I mean, he crushed it. So I'm sitting there thinking that's the last time. No, Murphy Staley last year against Incarnate Word. (laughs) Forgot it. Uh, What made me feel a little bit better about it is – that David Pierce had forgotten about that as well. He said, he, I think he said he, uh, in the post-game conversation with Ty that he hadn't seen that happen since he was at Rice. And, and, and Ty said, well, we, we forgot about Murphy Staley against CYW last year. And he said, you know, you're right. I was wondering if Ivan had done that, but I didn't think Ivan had. And Ivan did not. Ivan Melendez never hit three in a game for Texas, hit two in a game on several occasions, did not hit three. So um, it 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 was Murphy Staley last year hit three against Incarnate Word and three home runs hit, and then you go back from there 20 more years back to 2002, J.D. Reininger, uh There had been several other guys had done it over time, going all the way back to David Chalk did it in 1969 against Rice in the second game of a doubleheader. He was the first to do it, but there were several different guys. Who uh, did that? Uh, Brett Leffler, I think, did it in 1997 at Kansas. So there'd been different guy he'd been uh, prior to that. So there'd been uh, different different guys. Uh, and then somebody said, "Yeah, David Chalk hit five in a doubleheader. Three was in game two. Uh, that was at Clark Field. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, but Porter Brown became the latest. Three home runs uh, in the game last night. He had a base hit to drive in a run earlier in the ball game." So uh, Porter was on also down on the field uh, with our Ty Harrington after the game. Three
2: home runs. Oh, come on. That's special, right? That's get got a big smile on your face. Tell us about it tonight. It's a special night and a big, big weekend start off, right? On the first game, big night tonight. Congratulations. Tell us about your at-bats tonight.
1: You know, I, I spent this last week uh, finding and, and fixing my swing with uh, Caleb Long in the cages before and after practice, multiple hours, and it's... It paid off today at least, uh, you know, having three home runs in a game is, is a crazy, crazy fever dream feeling. You know, uh, I hit the first one and the second one, I was like, oh, dang. And then the third one, I kind of blacked out a little bit. So, but, but it's, it's crazy having a three run, uh,
2: three game or three home run game. I got to ask him mean, in your career, cause it's been a great career I'm talking about little league high school and college. Have you hit three homers before in a game? Never. This is my first multi home run game, actually, and it's three. Well, I got to tell you, from standing up there where Craig Way and I were tonight and the fans, obviously it was a lot of fun to, for us to watch it, but it was almost like you were playing basketball around the world. You hit the first one over to the right center, then a little bit more towards center, and then your last one you launched to the left field.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, when I have two home runs to the pull side, I kind of have a back thought in my mind. Like, you know, I should hit one out to the left side, but in the game, it's just, you don't think about it. It just, it kind of just happens. Congratulations. You got two big games
2: left. Great start and a great night for you. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Uh that was uh, the visit with uh with Porter Brown. A Couple of things about uh Porter. Anybody that's seen an interview seen an interview with Porter? Has seen the mesmerizing look you can get from Porter Brown's eyes? He has such interesting eyes, a green-eyed look, and um, uh, they've been described in different colors and things like that. He has said it as well, and uh, David Pierce was talking about that yesterday uh, with with Bucky and Aaron, uh, and and uh, he's it's a real interesting uh, look his eyes so much so that Noah Gross did a piece on this for KXAN. I don't know if anybody saw this. Uh, but if you didn't, I think you can still see it online at KXN.com. He did He did an outstanding job with it. When he was a youngster, Porter Brown was an eye model. Mm. He was a model, and and you see him again. He was like um, for for like Vision Works or something like that when he was a little kid, and uh, there is he's laughing about it and all that. But and folks said you really ought to do it. You ought to consider it a career, <laughs> that sort of thing. But uh, he was an eye model. And if you see Porter's eyes, you'll understand why. And he says he wears sunglasses a lot because he has sensitive eyes, he says. Uh, but they're they're really striking uh, when you see those. So, And uh, he was striking the ball well last night.
1: Must be tough to decide if you want to be a Major League Baseball player or
0: a an eye model. model. Yeah, an eye model. Who says you couldn't do both, yeah. right? Uh, okay. To the question uh, that uh, our friend Bizarro Gringo had, he said uh, – And he said this right at the top of the broadcast. Uh, He said, if Texas sweeps West Virginia and, as he says, Oakey State, loses a game to OU, won't there be a three-way tie for the Big 12 regular season championship? How will they figure the tournament seeding if that happens? I'll take it a step further for you, Gringo. Kansas State beat TCU last night. Uh, They got a walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth. They won 7-6. There is still a mathematical shot for a four-way tie for the Big 12 title. Of course, all scenarios have to involve a Texas sweep of West Virginia. So that would have to happen. If that happens, Texas and West Virginia would both be 15-9. and nine. If Oklahoma State loses one of its two remaining games to Oklahoma, and they did not lose last night, they battered the Sooners. They won 13-2, and that was in Norman. But if they should lose one of those two remaining games, and Texas sweeps out West Virginia, and Kansas State sweeps TCU, four-way tie – At 15-9, and the way they break the tie is, first of all, did any of the schools sweep the others? And the answer is yes, Texas would have swept West Virginia. That would have been the only sweep out of that. Not only that, in the record of the tied teams, because of that sweep, the Longhorns would have the best record on that. Texas would be the number one seed. They would be the number one seed in a three-way tie if K-State should lose once to TCU and it's only West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and UT. They would have, uh, if Oklahoma State loses tonight and tomorrow and it's just a two-way tie, the Longhorns would have it on the head-to-head sweep. So Texas owns all tiebreakers there. But the biggest challenge is trying to pull off the sweep. So that's that would be the case there. By the way, for, uh, for those who are having a lot of fun saying Texas could finish anywhere from first to seventh, forget the seventh now and forget the sixth. The losses by TCU to Kansas State. And if you didn't hear about it, Texas Tech lost at home to Kansas last night. Um Yikes. Colin Baumgartner, who pitched so well against Texas and got the win in that Friday night game, pitched well against the Red Raiders. He didn't get the win because it was 1-1 going in the ninth. Cole Elvis with a two-run homer threw the breeze at Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park because the wind was blowing in. So I was prepared to say this if he had hit a home run to say Elvis had left the building there but but uh, he did not uh he did not hit a home run in Lawrence but he did he did leave the building uh there in Lubbock last night so the the conference standings now you have West Virginia at 15 and 7 Oklahoma State at 14 and 8 Texas at 13 and 9 K-State at 13 and 9 then you have TCU at 11 and 11 Tech is 10 and 12 Oklahoma is 10 and 12 Kansas 8 and 14 and Baylor out of the league or out of the uh, tournament contention, 6-18. and 18, Baylor is concluding its season with a non-conference series against Cal State Bakersfield. They won last night, but they won't be in Arlington for the first time in school history. They'll miss the Big 12 tournament. So Texas can finish no lower than fifth. If they win or if Kansas State were to lose tonight or tomorrow, the Longhorns would finish no lower than fourth. And again, if they sweep – they would finish no lower than third and could uh, finish uh, – actually, they would finish uh, no lower than second and could wind up being the one seed. But we'll see how it all goes uh, tonight and tomorrow on that. All right, so there's a, also a, a big win for uh, Texas State. Had to have it, and they got it. Um, the Late rally beat Louisiana Monroe 6-5. Texas State pretty much in a must sweep situation to keep their at-large hopes alive if they don't win the Sun Belt tournament in Montgomery, Alabama next week. We'll have more on that coming up next hour. Also, Greg Swindell joins us uh, later next hour as well. We do have our Flex 30 update. Cam with the tails on that classic Round Rock versus Westlake game last night. And we'll get you update on a complete high school baseball playoff and softball scene. Up next, Inconceivable, here with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049 1019 a.m. 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at HornFM.com.
1: Inconceivable! 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 You keep using the Horn. I don't think it means what you think it means.
0: I'll tell you what's inconceivable. Four overtimes in hockey. I was about to go to five. I get home from the baseball game last night, do all of my work for the morning. And I got an alert that the game was in the fourth overtime. I thought I'd missed it. I'd not bothered to check the score game one. NHL Eastern Conference Finals, Carolina, Florida. Oh, no. They're in overtime number four. So I flick it on there as I'm finishing up work, And it looks like it's headed for overtime number five. It already made the decision. There's two tires going to go to bed once it got to the fifth overtime. But it didn't as Kachuk got the uh, goal. With twelve seconds to go yep. in overtime number four. So here's the eight seed Florida. Still doing well. The rats as they you know, throw those rats online, that goes back to their Stanley Cup final appearance in ninety-six. I went ahead and called it a night after the uh the third,
1: third overtime. Yeah. I was like,
0: I'm I'm wiped. I understand that. And folks are gonna find out more from Cam about his experience last night when we uh get to our Flex Thirty update coming up here after we uh bring you our round of inconceivable for today. First of all, um when you dream do you, are your dreams like very very vivid? I mean, you wake up thinking, wow, that was like really kind of real. They can be. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on like what I
1: ate or drank before I went to bed, you know.
0: Yeah. Um in 2016, a Michigan-based priest named gerald johnson suffered a heart attack he had a near-death experience as i like to call it an nde that uh uh, recently on tiktok he started sharing the traumatic details of his nde uh you know and what we hear about these ndes these near-death experiences people say they see a bright light and it's soft and welcoming yeah that's not what he said he said he went to hell um and uh, he saw men walking like dogs and heard demons singing Rihanna songs. And I thought, okay, well, that'll rule out Oklahoma then, the, uh, the Rihanna songs there. But he also said he also heard music in hell, including Rihanna's umbrella and Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Only this time demons were singing the songs to torture people. So researchers, especially those, I'd just like to say you get a job for the working for the International Association for Near-Death Studies believe that NDE's most likely happen due to a change in blood flow to the brain during a sudden life-threatening event, like a heart attack, a blunt trauma, or even shock. As your brain starts losing oxygen and blood, the electrical activity within the brain begins to power down, and your mind is left to keep working, but without its normal operational parameters. So that's when weird things happen.
1: Okay, well, that makes a lot more sense. Then. Yeah, there's a,
0: there's a clinical... So I'm not just losing my mind. It's great. Apparently not. Apparently not. Uh, all right. Um, uh, here's something else that I had some folks wondering about it. There's a story about a infamous Ukrainian time traveler. I don't know if you'd heard this story. This happened uh, a few years ago, but now they apparently have the uh, the explanation for it all. Speaking of going crazy, uh, yeah. Well. There's been an influx of people on TikTok claiming to be from the future in recent years. Uh, But the story of Sergei Ponomarenko is really strange. Uh, This started, goes all the way back to Kiev, where they're having, obviously, under, in in a war right now with Russia. This goes back to 2006. Uh, He had told authorities that he was born in 1932 he looked the part, he carried an old-fashioned camera and a dated outfit, and the most compelling thing was that he held a Soviet document from the 1950s which claimed, that showed that he was 25 years old. Ponomarenko then proceeded to show people pictures that he claimed he'd taken on his camera in Kiev After they'd been developed, authorities found that the images did indeed show Kyiv in the 50s, and they also showed him with an unnamed woman an image that Ponomarenko claims showed uh, also included a UFO. Now, authorities look back into the records, and they found a man by the same name who went missing in 1958. This is a guy who said he went missing for a while. He was in Kiev in the year 2050, so some 27 years from now. Uh, the woman who was with said she told authorities that he disappeared for two years, reappeared in the fifties. Not only that, she received a photograph showing him as an older man with a picture purporting to have been taken in Kiev in the year 2050. Uh, sounds all kinds of weird, but the mystery might finally have been solved. Um, a YouTuber Del back in the case, came up with an explanation that might put the whole thing to bed. Uh, the picture of Panamarenko purportedly from 2050. 2050, has been cloned and possibly even includes the Empire State Building. More compellingly, this uh, YouTuber found that the photos were taken from the Ukrainian TV show Aliens, which discusses the possibility of extraterrestrial life and is similar to the type of show you would see on the History Channel, but according to Scott, has a number of inaccuracies. So it looks like they busted it. He had a pretty good story working for a while, but it looks like it's not Almost had us. Almost as well. Um, You might say it doesn't hold water anymore. Let me tell you what does hold water. Whales, orcas, right? they got a problem going on in Europe right now off the coast of Iberia where these killer whales, and Jeff Howe's big thing is robots. Mine is when animals attack, when the animal kingdom rises up, and that includes whales who are mammals. Orcas recently have attacked and sunk three boats off the Iberian coast of Europe. And they say that these Orcas are teaching others how to do this. Mm. So uh, (laughs) uh, three Orcas, known as Killer whales struck the yacht on the night of May 4th in the Strait of Gibraltar, uh, pierced the rudder. Uh, Skipper Werner Schoffelberger told the German publication Yacht, the little one shook the rudder at the back. The big one repeatedly backed up and ran the ship with full force from the oh, side. it's a team effort here. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And they're teaching the younger ones how to do this. Two days earlier, a pod of six orcas attacked another sailboat navigating the strait. And reports of aggressive encounters with orcas off the Iberian coast began three years ago. And so it's, it's, it's a problem right now. They're teaching fellow killer whales. How to attack ships now. There you go, Craig. The animal kingdom's rising. I'm just telling you. It's happening. Okay. Speaking of the the animal kingdom, this brings us to our Florida man story. I said this would be different. It is different. Why? Because it's a good Florida man story. Is that possible? This one is. Are you sure? Yeah, because leave it to animals to make it work. Remember we had the story not that long ago about the guy was just being horribly mistreating a dog. And, and got into trouble for that. Which what, one? Uh, yeah, I know. There was, there was more than one. Well, how about this headline? Florida man. That's what it starts with, Florida man. Florida man jumps on 12-foot gator's back to free his dog from the reptile. Yeah. An alligator snatched a couple's dog in a Florida park late last week in Oviedo. We've had some Florida man stories take place in Oviedo. And... They were taking, this couple was taking their dog for a walk, uh, and a 12-foot alligator jumped out of the water nearby, grabbed the dog in its mouth. The man jumps on the gator's back and freed the dog at Riverside Park. According to staff, the boyfriend jumped on top of the alligator to witness to rescue the dog. They were able to free the animal. Afterwards, the dog. Uh, no nine one one call was made. The dog reportedly receiving treatment at a local animal hospital, condition unknown. And wow. then the gator then was captured. That's a
1: big sucker.
0: Yeah. And so there it was. Maybe uh, you
1: don't walk your small animals around bodies of water in
0: Florida. Yeah, because they might come after it. Notice the gator didn't come after the people. It went after the dog. Yeah. So, but it was nice of the man to jump on the gator's back. Would you do it? You have a dog, by the way? I don't. I don't okay. have any animals. All right. Have no you? Pets. Did you have pets growing up?
1: I had a fish. A couple of fish. Well, we know a gator would eat a fish. Yeah, I'm not jumping do. on a crocodile to save my pet fish, I'll tell you that.
0: All right. But you
1: would for a dog? I, I guess. I mean, I would think so, right, because you develop a connection with it? Absolutely. I'm out of there's, my element There's, here, there's but no but doubt. I'm sure. I, would, you, would you do it for,
0: for your pup? 100%. Yeah. In fact, if I had to wrestle the gator to get it away from the dog, okay. I would do it. I would do it. Absolutely. For my dog, there's no doubt. Then a lot of people wouldn't. And other people, eh, nah, not so much they'd say. Yeah. You know? But I would for my dog. No no question about it. I would definitely jump on its back, for sure. That's a good way to start. And then maybe it lets go of the dog and then and then you can get out of the way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just don't lose
1: your um don't lose your hand like uh the caddy from Happy yeah. Gilmore. Yeah,
0: you don't need to do that. Don't need to do that. All right. <laughs> we're into the second hour. Up next, we're gonna have a Flex thirty update. Greg Swindell joins us at the bottom of the hour to talk Longhorn baseball, the Big 12, and national scene as we roll through a Friday here on Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.